G'day, listeners. Welcome to Talking Out Your Arts. My name's Sam. And my name's Hayden. And uh, look, this week we had some uh, some really cool guests. Uh, it's uh, a couple of guys called Sam Frosser and Hayden Jones from a company called Shock Therapy Productions. Amazing. Amazingly uh, inspiring. And um, I-, I was just impressed that their, their overall... Um, Persona, their 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 smell. They smelt amazing. Uh, I don't have any um, sense of smell at the moment, uh-huh. um, so okay. it's not COVID. I just right. um, I shoved some crust of bread up my nose, and I got a bit right. drunk at an Italian restaurant. Well, anyway, what was long story? What was amazing about the sense of smell is that they weren't even in the room with us, and I could still smell them. It was yeah. just via the internet. Yeah, it's it's presence, it's pheromones, mm. Um, mm. you know, which I think has been probably the key the key to their success because mm. you know they're not that talented, but they have a they have a presence. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 that's what people have come to know them uh, for their they, scent. They really, in, they insist on their own presence, mm. you know, in a way like for kind of force themselves, um, yeah, like jimmy themselves into people, thrust themselves into people, yeah, you could uh, say that through through their olfactory senses, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we we covered heaps of stuff, you know, we yeah. we, we talked yep. about um, we talked about the rainforests, uh, we talked about the issues in Uganda, yeah, um, it, it was a far-reaching, winding conversation that um, covered. A whole lot of ground. Um, a lot of entomology stuff. Yep. We went in, I really enjoyed that section where we went um, into quantum mechanics as well. Yeah. I thought that was particularly uh, interesting, particularly seeing as neither of them are scientists. No. Um, or or, or, or physici- um, physicists. Yeah. Uh, I just, I was astounded that they, at the breadth of their knowledge in that field. Yeah. I mean, I haven't fact-checked any of it, but. You know, no. it'd be an interesting exercise, wouldn't yeah. it? <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure we'll probably edit out most of that part of the conversation anyway. Yeah. But it was interesting to go there. Yeah. And I mean, especially the bit where they went on a whole tangent, kind of reenacting their latest script, um, mm. which kind of blows it for a world premiere. But um, yeah, they probably that. should have thought of that before they went, you know, hey, is this going to be broadcast? And we're like, oh, yeah, it's one of the most popular podcasts on the internet I know, right I know, now. I know, I know, I know. Like we have literally, you know, tens of people that listen to this tens, and, uh, and, and you've just blown your entire concept for your new work. I think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, like, um, I did I get mean, a sense of really, that. Like a two-hour show about life through the perspective of a tube of toothpaste. Like, I know, that, I mean, there's being edgy and experimental, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, I just I just found it a little bit of a, of a reach, to be honest. Yeah, and that's you, not you a toothbrush pun. You do wonder whether you know it gets to that point where some artists uh, just feel as though they um, it gets a little bit self-referential and a little bit too self-indulgent, and you know all the stuff about colours, colours of the toothpaste, and yeah, you know, it, it just got a little bit Woody Allen for me. And they, yeah, and it you know? got a little bit Disney, you know, yep. and all that. All the it was like a mix between. Side, it got a bit. It was like a mix between. It was like if Woody Allen directed a disney film that's the sense that i got from yeah yeah if woody allen directed a disney film with a touch of like you know ebony and ivory kind mm. of uh mor- moralistic kind of uh mm. happy clappy you know it was just yeah, it was made made me fi- made my feet itch mm. and it made me feel a little bit nauseous yep. um and i didn't want to say that at the time but but 
nonetheless, they're still pretty fascinating and interesting guys. So um, they're having a go. They're having a. That's they're the having main, a crack. That's what I take from it. You know, I sort of look at them and I go, "Fuck!" If they like, if they if they can like actually make a living, like there's hope for everybody. You know, anyone can do that. Um, yeah, just have have a go and have a crack. You just just act confident and yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, but, uh, let's yeah, rip it. Was, it. Enjoy. It's nice to have their time. Have, um, have a listen and uh, enjoy the, the chat. Yeah. Welcome to Talking Out Your Arts with um, Hayden and Sam as our special guests. Uh, Hayden, thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, and um, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's really an honour. You know, we've been big fans of both of you guys for for a long, long time. Thanks, and and likewise, you too, Sam. It's um, really yep. great to have you on the show. Finally, yeah, no, you know, we've been, both been talking about getting you both on for. A, uh, a long time now, so um, yeah, no, and I've I, I know we've both been wanting to come on the on the podcast for a long time. We've listened to all the episodes, and um, I'm super. sure you have. Like, I feel like we all have a lot in common. Um, yeah, so it's nice yeah, to I touch guess on we do. that Finally, I guess you we know. do as as yeah, artists and yeah, yeah, mutual respect yeah. and admiration. I think yeah, and we're all you know we're all uh, in a similar boat at the moment. You know, sucking the devil's cock to put it mildly. Mm. Look, I'm just going to call it what it is. <laughs> You know, um, uh, you know it's it's a hard it's so a hard time. So I don't want to be a so you're a religious man, Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> I worship I, I worship with enthusiasm. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> now, nah, look, look, this is not an opportunity to have an artist whinge or sob story about, or, a, or a cry about how hard we've got it, but it is tough at the moment. Uh, sort of, I think it's good to acknowledge that our industry is really. Um, going going through it um you know it's and it's it's already a tough industry and then you have something like this happen uh, again and we're seeing colleagues and friends well, of ours who are you know trying to get shows up and do shows and and they're struggling with audiences and, i think cancelling the, the general consensus um that the sentiment that i've felt is that like we we talked about this as well um in the arts community and the live performance industry I, I would include music and festivals and all of that into that yeah that they thought 2022 was going to be the year where i was like oh great we're back on track mm-hmm. you know we've, we're, we're we're past the worst of it things are going to open up again we're going to be able to start to book things as as per normal quote mm. unquote mm-hmm. and um and i certainly felt that way and and i i just heard lee lewis recently you know talking at queensland theater about they've had to reschedule a couple of their performances and she said the same thing she said i honestly thought that we were through the worst of this and we, um we all did and i don't know yeah. if we were if we were suckered or whether uh nobody knew it would go on this long because you know uh, i do think the uh people with the information often just feed us what they think we can handle and mm-hmm. i don't know if this is that situation maybe they genuinely sort of didn't know it would go on this long either but i think everyone could kind of handle the idea of six months initially like okay yep. six months we got to you know, bunker down and suck it up and, and then this will be behind us and then that turned into a year now, you know, and yeah. now they're talking probably another couple of years realistically with waves and things. You know, yeah. A lot of the scientists are saying sort of two years and then life will hopefully will be pretty much back to normal. But by then we're looking at a four or five year period. Yeah, um, it's a significant time in human history that, you know, if you, it's comparable with, with you know, and, and I don't mean to be, 
you know, doom and gloom and put, I, I, I really have tried through this whole thing not to buy into the, the fear mongering that, mm. that can go with it, um, to be cautious and, and aware of the information without it tipping over into this sort of extreme yeah. crippling paranoia and, and par- paralysis that can come with it. Um, totally. but, but it, it's, it's, I think we're going to look back at this time in history in the same way that we look back at world wars that went on for four or five years and and there was um, impact of supply chain at those times with food and 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 resources and Mm. the economy got smashed and um and and this is the same thing really so the impact of this is going to be a generational impact that's going to have far-reaching effects and i think on a social like in terms of how it affects us as a society and economically it's it's similar i mean i would prefer this to a war because there's less hate involved it's sort of it's not through acts of sort of malicious intent and violence and at Um, least you can be united as an international like you're you're the, you're not fighting it's not us versus them it's yeah. like everyone trying it's to deal with something this that happened thing. and it is it is humbling in a way you know for mankind to be reminded to like uh nature can kick your ass you know at yeah. any moment and um yeah certainly and and look i think it's um what's interesting at the moment though is the the way people are responding individually and, and in terms of our industry you know, things are back open and, mm. and shows are happening, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be successful or fi- financially viable because there's a whole range. And this is just a bit of an insight. If you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not an artist, just let me give you a bit of a snapshot of like how this affects us, right? So, say you're putting on a production and you've got a whole cast and crew. Um, we tend to do small shows with small cast and crew, so it's, it's a little more manageable but a lot of productions there's there's you know up to 20 or 30 people involved now if you've got a a percentage of those people dropping out with having to take a week off because they get covid or or becoming a close contact and going into isolation the interruption that that causes for a production is massive Mm. it's it's huge and and let alone if that happens during rehearsals that's probably manageable but if it happens during the middle of a season then you're fucked right yeah and so there's that's the first part there's a huge logistics and scheduling and and you know works will often be you know sometimes years in development years of planning and if you keep and and the the problem is you can you can postpone a production uh but you don't know that anything's going to be different you know at that time either so you no. know you kind of schedule it and it's just tentative you're like, just guessing everything is yeah. so uncertain yeah and and so there's that and and that that affects the quality of the work that you can produce because mm. if you've got these interruptions then you you're sort of constantly affected by these um these various interruptions and and breaks in schedule and things like that so the quality of the work suffers right so there's that whole aspect and then and then of course you've got the audience side of things which is you know people are are somewhat um you know they might have bought a ticket to a show but they're either hesitant or scared to go out at the Mm -hmm. moment or they go i'm really keen to go out and then they go oh i'm feeling a bit off and they do a rat test at home and they're like oh fuck i'm positive i can't Mm -hmm. go to the show now so you're getting you're getting hit at both ends both in the in the lead up and the production side of things in in terms of your planning and logistics and in the delivery and your audience numbers are greatly reduced even if and the weird thing at the moment is the government's done this really sneaky thing where there's no uh they've, they've put restrictions in place about you know certain events and and things like this and and they've gone yeah we, we're opening up back as usual go and make money but there's no uh benefits or safeguards like in the first round 
there was at least JobKeeper and things like that that mm. could give you a bit of uh, survival money to get through these yeah. these unforeseen circumstances where you have to cancel a season or something. But now it's just like you're fucking on your own. You're on your own. It is what it is, you know. And uh, yeah, it's tough. And 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 like we've lost. You know, I mean, the whole with school being delayed, going back and not being able to have um, incursions and things like that. You know, if, if you don't know, uh, school touring is a, is a big part of our bread and butter as a company. And um, even through the hard, the hard times in the last couple of years, we've mostly been able to continue school touring, which, you know, where a lot of companies and artists have, have sort of been on the bench, we've been able to keep working. We've been very uh, fortuitous in that sense. But you know, basically, we just lost our whole first term mm. of shows, which is you know probably in excess of thirty performances. You know, which is tens of tens of thousands of dollars. Um, and it's I think uh, this industry also relies a lot on artists. It relies a lot on momentum and passion and enthusiasm and inspiration. And I think um, my concern is that artists are going to start getting really fatigued and their inspiration and their passion is going to start to wane and even not just on a on a sheer practical level you know um i think there's a lot of artists who are falling into that category of they're sort of somewhere between emerging and mid-career um where they're sort of um they're they're young enough to be um in an exciting part of their sort of um, development and uh, experimenting, but they're old enough that they have responsibilities and bills and they need a kind of some sort of security and you, you encounter something like this. And I wonder how many uh, of those artists or small to medium companies are going to be able to recover if this does go on for another two years. How many, how many people will we lose who just go, I, think we've I need to lost. go and become a yeah. teacher or I need to go and do something else. I think we've already lost a bunch mm. um, and, and there'll probably be more. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a devastating effect that's going to be the, the, long, the long tail of this whole thing um, that's going to that's gonna really impact. Uh, just, to, just to flip the side of the coin, um, change the, the, the topic slightly uh, away from the sort of negative... I mean, that that's not negative, it's just realistic, but... I, I wanted to ask you, what Hayden, what you think. Um, artists tend to respond, right? For the most part, any any form of art, and and the artists that we've spoken to on this podcast are no different. That they respond to some form of inspiration, usually from life. And throughout history, if we look at certain significant times in human history, great art has come out of um, hardship and challenge and and difficult circumstances. What type of art do you think might emerge as a response to this period in human history hmm that's a really it's a really good question um i don't know um but my feeling is it's going to be varied um i think it's a very individual thing and i know you know in 2020 when we had that first sort of big kind of national shutdown People responded in all kinds of different ways. There was a lot of people, I guess because it was the first knock we'd taken, a lot of people were being ultra... They, they, they switched into ultra-positive mode. They were making sourdough. They were building gardens in their in their courtyards. You know, they were going, I'm going to take this opportunity to write a play or write an album and be, be ultra-productive and creative, you know. Mm. And, and it did give people, a lot of people, that opportunity because they had time on their hands and they had... Uh, you know, as an artist, there's so many other peripheral things that you have to do with emails and admin and, and trying to get work in the first place that you actually don't get uh, as much time to just sit and create as you would like. So I think a lot of people kind of used it 
for that opportunity. Um, at the time, I felt a little bit guilty about that because I, um, and it was probably partly to do with being like sleep sleep deprived. I had a newborn at the time and we were, you know, stuck in the house with three kids and trying to homeschool the older two. And and I, I didn't feel inspired at all. And I felt quite, it was a really weird time because it felt like the most beautiful time in my life. But I was also really uh, sort of down about the state of things. And, you know, I was sort of sitting up through the middle of the night watching the news and I did not feel like creating at all. I was very uninspired and I was like, oh, you, oh fuck about making a garden right now. You know mm. what I mean? There's, there's zombies, apocalypse is happening. Um, and I, and I, so I really understood people who were not in that space. And I think probably going on social media and seeing everybody in, in their ultra positive, productive modes, you know, for those who weren't feeling it, they probably felt maybe guilty about that or, mm-hmm. um, so uh, again, I think I think uh, I digress a little bit, but I think people are going to respond in all different ways. Um, I, I guess the the best reference I have for it is um, I was uh, on the the script assessors panel for the Queensland Premier's Drama Award, so I got to read a lot of plays. Probably read about fifty scripts, and this, this interesting thing came up where <clears throat> there's a lot of. Uh, cathartic work being made there's a lot of trauma plays there's a lot of really really uh, heavy heavy dark stuff being written and I feel like that is what uh, creative people are feeling like they need to express at the moment um, unlike the what I would call the the the, the western come kind of terrorist generation which my little brother grew up in you know the sort of post 9-11 generation who Grew up in with this kind of uh, dark atmosphere as well, um, but seemed to respond by kind of going, we we actually want to forget our troubles, and they were uh, quite a positive generation. They didn't get all emo and listen to Nirvana like we did. They they were their, their music was upbeat. They were they were really kind of quite socially conscious generation, um, and and quite quite happy they, they sort of you know in their art and creativity i mean i'm generalizing but they didn't really want to dwell on the negatives there seemed to be this sense of of going you know we just want to party um and have a good time and and love love everyone um but i feel like this is so overwhelming that what's being expressed is really dark um where the disconnect is is that's not really what people want to consume well i mean that might be where people are at right now but I, I I think about the effect and because sometimes the art that gets produced in the world doesn't come until years after the event mm, has happened, mm. and so it's more as the dust settles. So with a bit of perspective, yeah, um, and and, and, yeah. and it's not necessarily even a, a direct um, response to what's happened in in a literal sense. It's more like okay, so it, we could see and the emergence of really really um positive or even like a verging on escapism kind of um crazy wild absurd i'm seeing an an emergence of a lot more kind of weird and wacky and absurd just bonkers shit that that is coming out and it and that might be a response to people doom scrolling and going the real world is too fucking overwhelming and scary well, well we've seen that before i don't want the we've real seen world that, we've seen that before if you think about the sort of the artistic movements that came post world war Two, mm. you had things like absurdism mm. came about you know mm. beckett in the What's 50s the meaning you know, of life started writing and, yeah. all this but it was done with this really um ridiculous you know almost uh frivolous random kind of um 
tone to it, you know. Because and- I, I was reading a thing about like um, COVID fatigue, not not in mm. a literal physical mm. sense, but fatigue of just hearing about it, talking yep. about it, listening to it, fucking people talking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So I imagine it would be, it'd be, you know, artists would not want to be able to continue to make work about it. And we've had other people say to us, you know, don't mention it and don't talk about it. So you either have to address it in a lighthearted, comical way or do something that, completely takes the focus onto something else and you talk about a different part of our humanity i do think that is an opportunity though for for human beings but artists as a as a conduit for what is going on in the human psyche at the moment to really focus on our connectedness and and because you as you said earlier unlike a war or conflict where it's country against country or ideology against ideology this is we are united. Uh, it's a horrible, terrible thing that's happening, but it's affecting all of us, regardless of race and 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 economic status. It's no one is immune to it. So, therefore, it gives us an opportunity to be somewhat united in our. Um, we have to make. We have to, and, yeah, and we have to make a point of doing that because I think there's always going to be something to, that that can be divisive, you know. In it, like the the vaccine mm. thing is is what it is, you know, and yeah. that's the thing that people are fighting about. But but even that's getting less and less now because it's kind of like, well, things have opened up again, so it's, it's actually and it's a getting less and now. less because the science is become a bit more grey in that we've learnt that, you know, okay, these booster shots they they wear off and the virus keeps changing and mm. so so those who were these staunch like um, you know, the vaccine saves everything, um that's been softened a little bit because it is it, it mm. it's a, a this is a probably overstating, but it's a little bit of a band aid approach. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it will get us out of this eventually, I mm. think. And and I'm vaccinated, and mm. I, I I believe it. But I also understand, and this is where we're gonna have a more nuanced conversation because I also understand people's fear and hesitation and skepticism with you know thing there being a lack of um, a lack of history with mm. these types of vaccines and and like fucking people are scared. So I think compassion is just the thing, you know, rather yeah. than going, uh, you're, but, uh, you're a fucking anti vaxxer you're yeah. a dickhead you go okay this person they have a point of view and 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 they're afraid they're afraid just like i am and and who but, knows but in I 10 was, years what the right answer would have been but i was I, I, my point is i think it's it's moot now anyway it doesn't yeah. matter like and, and i'm noticing that it's, it's a conversation that's not happening and i was worried that this was going to be a really divisive thing for, between yeah, our yeah. society but it's not now because we've reached our vaccination threshold we've opened back up so actually now it's it's redundant whether you're vaccinated or not. In a, in a way, you know, you're rolling the dice. It's an individual choice you make. Well, the now, check-in which is, is not now, such a thing now, and that's where it now started you're to the get. Dice. That's where it started yeah. to get really tense when it was like you got to check in everywhere, and if you're not vaccinated, you can't you can't go anywhere. That yeah. then I was like, oh shit, we're going to see fighting and riots in the street, and it's yeah. going to turn into a big ugly mess. But um, I I think now too we got you know next month we got all these antiviral pills coming, and I think. You know that's uh, that's a really positive thing. You know because we can start to move the conversation away from jabs and needles and yeah. talk about just it's a, if you get it, how how do you treat it at home? And but just bring it, you know, just in in light of the fact that neither of us are scientists or virologists or um, professionals um, to steer the conversation back to art and artists' response yeah. to this. Um, I think I think that there might be, you know, I, I think most artists probably won't want to create work that is. Unlike movements like the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, where we saw a lot of artists creating work that was directly 
in response to things that were happening and using it using their platforms as a as a vehicle to raise awareness and 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 I think with COVID it's different. It's like no one wants to raise awareness about it. It's more about no, like we're that, fucking back and let's party and, and, that, or and that, let's and have that, a good time or let's forget about it or let's be united in our humanity and, and well, probably that's, that's we're a good see... point that these issues have all coincided at around the same time. So you had mm. you had COVID, but you also had these kind of heated social movements where change was happening. So Black Lives Matter, also you know the Me Too movement and and mm. this kind of resurgence of the fem- the feminist movement. Um, so there's been a lot of uh, kind of anger and purging happening around that, which is important to happen. And then it's happened in this kind of backdrop of this kind of global pandemic. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of that work being made now. But I agree. I think once once we kind of get out of it, people will be really more than happy to go, let's fuck that off. And yeah, let's talk about something else. Fucking sick to death of it, you know. Yeah, like, yeah let's talk about something else. And that was where, you know, like... Same in, in, in music and dance, like as you say, post World War Two, you look People at like dancing the nineteen fifties. Beautiful footage of everyone celebrating when the yeah. war was over. There, and, there's so many like dance movements that that mm. came out of and and music that 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 was all about going out and dancing and having a good time. The nineteen fifties and then into the sixties, it was kind of like this expression of like we're fucking not at war. Yeah, hallelujah. Like yeah. it, it was. Yeah, yeah I, and the emergence, I, like the emergence of the sitcom and that kind of thing. Yeah. like you know, it was yeah. all this. Um, about sort of happy domestic life and yeah. yeah, and I guess you could say you know the skepticism, the skeptic in me could say, oh, that was a distraction from reality or whatever. But I, the other side of that is it was probably just an an outlet, like a, a an expression of like relief. In well, a way. it's all reality, isn't it? And that's the thing, you know, is, is is like you've said, you've tried not to buy into the doom and gloom because life is happening, and that's the thing you know, that that I've found in my own family too and the conversations around it is like, you know, with visiting each other or making nice memories, it's like, well, life has to keep happening. So I don't, none of us want to throw five years of our life down the gurgler. Um, yeah. Not, well, it still happens not regardless. having a good time. You know, it, it happens, happens regardless passes, of what so. you, you can sit there and, yeah. and doom scroll and, and focus on yeah. that. But life guaranteed yeah. will continue to roll on whether you like it or not. Yeah. And, and our insignificance kind of, kicks into gear in that sense when you yeah. when you're dealing with something as big as this and I, I think creative people think about all this stuff you know and um you'll never kill uh you'll never kill artists you'll never you'll never kill an artistic scene it'll never happen but there can be there can be blows to it that have a lasting impact mm. and um yeah i just i just feel for i mean i we, think i think we are seeing the form change i think that's what because the impact of it is changing how we deliver because you can't tour as much you Mm. can't tour internationally at the moment is 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 incredibly hard yeah um even interstate up until now has been really really difficult um and so you know we're seeing the we're seeing an an uptake in in streaming services and online kind of engagement um which kind of coincided with technology getting better and better Mm. and and then this situation was like a perfect perfect opportunity to kind of move more mm. and more content on online and so i think the form of like creativity is is shifting um away from certain things um but i do think it'll swing back when when the dust settles and people feel safer and and more liberated to go out and 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 that almost i, I like to hope at least with things like live theater which is a bit of a weird niche that we're part of that's that... one thing we've learned right like we i think we we're a little bit worried there that for a bit that um live theater would be replaced and mm. and um 
I just that I've realized that will just never happen. It's it's not something that can be replicated. You know, I mean, you can get close. The technologies, yeah. shit, never say never. But you know, they're amazing stuff now where they're sending you know Oculus headsets to remote communities. You know, and 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 you can, they can sit there with a headset on, and 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 they're literally sitting in a chair in the QPAC theater or at the at the National Theater and and watching. I know that did that with Adele. Yeah. Uh, recently a concert that she did where you could you could get a headset and yeah. sit in the audience at an Adele concert and you know look look, to, look at the, the people beside you yeah. and like it's pretty amazing but um but there is something about literally being in the same space as somebody and feeling the energy in the room you know totally which is why no, a theater on camera doesn't it doesn't translate there's no because well, it's there's no um substitute for that really in 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 a sense that you can't really um yeah, I think that shared experience, it's something that we've done, we've gathered as a species of for a long, long time. You know, people have come together in groups to listen to stories, to share significant moments and, and to celebrate. And, and we are hardwired to come together. Like yeah. that's part of our nature. So I yeah, think this is, idea which is of... Which is why like, uh, you know, you might, uh, with a musical act, you know, you might have listened to the Red Hot Chili Peppers albums a thousand times, but you remember that one time you saw them live and you're yeah. in the same room. The audio quality might not have been as good because you're in a, in a noisy venue, but yeah, you were there. They yeah. were there. Yeah. Yeah, and it, even even with forms like film and, and that, like it's always better when you watch it with someone. Like mm. that's why people go, oh, let's, you know, they watch series together when you're gonna when you're gonna binge a series together. You want to get home from work and do it together. You know, it, mm. you, a lot of people watch watch it on their own, but to have something to talk about, I guess, is is the point and yeah. and to discuss. So I, I think that you know when when we can and 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 in the meantime we just kind of keep pushing on and doing the best we can. And and um, shout out to everyone out there, all the artists out there that are that are doing their best to um, keep making work and keep touring and keep putting on shows and um yeah and whatever you're feeling you know other people are feeling too so um and we've taken your that head approach. up and keep trying to i guess dig into that and find what what the opportunity is um yeah we've been we've been we have this time around really productive i mean we've we've yeah. uh uh, not to turn this into a, a boasting session, but we just well, we are we interviewing just, you, Hayden yeah, yeah, and, exactly. and Sam. So you know, tell us, tell us what what have you been up to? Well, I mean, in what is normally a quiet time of year, over the sort of the end, end of year, start of a new year, we've, um, I mean, we've we've made, premiered two new works really in uh, between November and January. Mm. Um, you know, we made Locked In, which essentially was a new show. It was a, it was a, it was a a redevelopment or reimagining of an existing show, but for all intents and purposes, it was really a new show and yep. it had never been performed here. And um, the work involved was not that unlike a brand new work. Yep. Um, so that was that was that happened in December at the Dion Salento at QT, and then we had a week, oh, a week, two weeks. two weeks off, and then we came straight into rehearsals for Fuel, which we wrote over the course of last year, yep. and. Um, and that process, I mean, look, we, we should go in detail about that an, another time. We can get uh, the cast on and talk about that. But uh, it was uh, a roller coaster. You know, we had uh, cast and creatives who had COVID and we mm -hmm. had to rehearse over Zoom for the first two. I mean, for starters, trying to make that show in four weeks was um, quite a feat. And then we mm. lost two weeks to, to Zoom and um, basically came together and, and 
from start to finish in the room made the show in two in two and a half yeah, weeks. It was pretty insane. And it's a high tech show, and there's about sixteen characters with yeah. two actors and and AV and sound and you yeah, know, it's pretty uh, it's pretty incredible. So with no creative development, I mean that sort of served a dual function of a rehearsal period and a creative development. You know, the script changed a lot, changed yeah. a lot over that time, and we refined things. And I guess we, you know, just to just to give it some like as i was saying about plowing on we so that show was meant to be touring right now it was meant to be in mm. schools touring and and that's now not happening and we've had to move all of those shows into into next term but we didn't let that slow us down we went we made a decision to go well look we're all here together we're all making it we've all set this side this time aside let's make it now mm. anyway and then just put it on ice, and then and when we're, when it's ready to, we'll just keep going. So, it's been, uh, you know, we we kind of kind of have that attitude, I think, of just perseverance and pushing through. And and I know that there's a lot of other artists out there that are similar that they just go, okay, we have to pivot, we have to adjust, let's keep doing what we can do and fighting the good fight. So it's I a great, think, it's, um, a, it's a great distraction, you know. Um, yeah, it would have been horrible to sort of lay down and go, uh, everything's off. Like how depressing, you yeah. know. It was um, we were safe about it. We were keeping the the team in the room small and making sure everyone was healthy and yeah. and uh, and masking up when necessary. But um, but I think that process kept us all inspired and afloat. And and totally. then and then you know February we were supposed to be in shows now. You and I personally, mm. and that's all been moved. So we, you know, and then we went well. Well, we're on a roll. Should we start making <laughs> making yeah. another show or yeah. something? Like we, let's use the time, you Absolutely. know, to keep the ball rolling. And I think you can't stop. That's the thing. Artists are going to create. Artists are going to be artists regardless. Like you can't really, you can't really stop artists being. It's an expression, and and for us now, it's got to the point in our lives where it's our not only our livelihood and our work, but it's what we we can't imagine doing anything else. Like it's it's what you do when you've got spare time. You kind of think creatively and think about projects and. Um, it's I, a I life it's path. Just, it's how you choose to live your life, yeah. you know, and it permeates everything. You know how you think. Um, well, I think it's a good time to maybe take some um, some. We wanted to. We, we've got, as I said at the start, we've got yeah. a, a huge um, listener base developing. Um, it, like it's quite astounding, massive. We've been doing massive. this for a while now. I think we've our episodes yeah. are in double digits. Yeah, we're up to twelve. This is episode twelve, or and we've never something. really shared any of the feedback or letters like we nope. get letters in all kinds of forms yep. um from people we've never really shared any of them so we thought that might be a nice opportunity apart from yep. a couple of poems that were sent in yeah which i mean there's more of i could share yeah i could share a couple of those if, we, if well if let's like, let's but. see but you had a written letter that that came in um it was a handwritten one. handwritten via post um which is odd because I guess they, because it, it, it didn't even go to our, our P.O. box address. It just came to your personal mailbox. So I don't even know how the listener um, got a hold of your personal address, Hayden. But um, I don't know, do you, do you want to share? Would you feel comfortable sharing the, the feedback of, of, of one of our um, absolutely valued uh, listeners? So Yep. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, this one came in. Um, yeah, arrived at the house and uh, yeah, it just says, uh, just starts out by saying, it says 10.15 a.m., 12th of the 12th, which is actually the day after we closed, um, locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, rummaging, scrummaging in the bakery section, I see you, 12 pack of donuts. I have a big moist donut waiting. 
Okay, a bit intense. Um, I'm your number one fan. It hasn't been that long since I heard your voice, but it feels like an eternity. I think about you always. I have taken to pleasuring myself with a dishwashing brush. Does that sound like the actions of a sane and rational person? Come back. I need you now. Kevin. Love Sally. Kevin. Oh, fuck. Thanks, Kevin. No, it's too... It's to Kevin. I should have probably read it. Okay, that's a, just needed a mail redirect. Right. Okay. Um, that's yeah. um. Well. Okay. That's um. I probably should have. I should probably should have pre-read it. So that's well. If um, was it from Kevin to Sally? Did from Sally. From, from a Sally. Sally to a Kevin. Right. Um, Kevin. So Kevin, if you're listening, who likes donuts. Kevin, um, if 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 you're listening, Kevin, um, there's a there's a lovely woman out there who really cares about you a lot yep. sally you should and go and do the dishes i at think Sally's place. it sounds like you know sally but you may not know sally now if you know sally i think you should pick up the phone and and um my advice would be that she sounds like a keeper and i wouldn't yep. i wouldn't want to let that one get away if i was if i was you you know i'd be i'd be um i'd be putting a ring on that donut you're a donut man yep yeah i'm a donut man for sure for sure um, well, anyway, I, back away, I, back I, away from Sally. Um, so, well, I, I did get one on Twitter actually. Um, written, uh, written uh, tweet. just some feedback on on the on talking out your arts on the podcast. Um, okay. I, again, quite strange because we don't even have a Twitter account. I was going to say, like, I was. I mean, I, I know, yeah. I know, I tend to forget things, but I didn't know we had a Twitter account. Yeah, but but it was it it. it it was, um, yeah, we don't. Um, it appeared on someone else's Twitter account, but it said, Dear Sam and Hayden uh, of Talking Out Your Arts. Um, and this is this is from Skywalker um, 725X. Okay. And, and, um, and Skywalker 725X said, um, Dear Hayden, Sam, uh, I've been listening to your podcast, Talking Out Your Arts. Well, when I say listening, I listen to five minutes of one of the episodes and I think you guys are uh, absolute fucking frauds. In fact, I question whether you're even artists at all. Um, please do us all a favor. Cancel this show immediately. I can't think of a worse program. In fact, it's akin to sticking knives in my eardrums until they bleed. Is that is that that's verbatim? That's that's verbatim. That's, that's no shit. I read that. that. The, I no just shit. Read that. You just read that. Yep. Word for word. Yep. Yep. Fucking hell! From a guy who calls himself Skywalker. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, I we actually had a letter from the um, head of the Australian Incel Association, didn't we? Did, sent did. in a poem. It was. Um, oh, yeah. Do you want to read that your one? Your skin borscht. No, that was that was a few episodes ago. So. Oh, your skin. Um, yes, yes. Of so, old mate Skywalker, I think there's a hit him up. Hit them up. Look up yeah. Yoshkin Borscht from the Incel Association. I think yeah. those guys are right up your alley. Um, yeah, cool. Um, we did actually have a, a, a had a, a, a voicemail as yeah. well. Um, should we play the voicemail? Um, now this was this was sent in again. Um, nice. It'll be nice to hear a voice of a listener. Yeah. So I'll just um I'll just get Can this. Can you put that up. straight through there? Yeah. We'll just we'll just see if this is. Hey there. Uh, I don't listen to your podcast, but I thought I'd just ring in and share with you my grandmother's recipe for haggis. Uh, first, you've got to rinse the plug in cold water, 
trim off any large pieces of fat, cut away the windpipe, of course. Then what you want to do is place it in a good sized pot, cover it with cold water. Now the lungs, they're gonna float. So you wanna keep them submerged with a plate or a lid. And you bring it to the boil and let it simmer for about two hours. Next step is you lift the meat out of the pot with some tongs. Don't use your hands, that's just stupid. And then you rinse it in cold water and remove any scum. Place it in the bowl and leave it to cool. Step four is strain the cooking liquid through a fine sieve, right? And then you put it back in the stove and reduce until it's roughly uh, 500 mils to one liter of stock, all right? Then you leave that to cool. Now, while the stock reduces, finally dice the cooked heart and lungs. Grate the liver using the coarse side of a grater. Finally dice the trimmings, right? And then you mix it all together in a large bowl. You can add some oatmeal and some spices at this point. Right, after that, what you want to do is measure how much stock remains in the cooking with the pluck and make up to a, about a liter with cold water. You got to make it up, right? Then when it cools, add the haggis into the mix. Check it for seasoning. Then you pan fry it uh, a tablespoon of the mixture, right? Just by just two to three minutes, just a taste. And you add any extra salt if you need it. Right, spoon the haggis mixture uh, into the soaked and rinsed ox's bung, right? Okay, that's very important. You've got to put it in the soaked and, and rinsed the ox's bung, right? Be aware of the fillings, they, they're going to swell when you when you cook it. So don't, so don't pack it too tightly. You've got to pack it nice and loosely, right? When the haggis is the size required, uh, you got to push out any extra air, right? And then you tie the strings and cut it with a scissor. Tie the ends and continue stuffing. Uh, you can freeze any other spa spare haggises at this point too. That's not a bad idea, right? Before you're cooking each of the uh, bungs, you got to pierce the haggis several times with a needle. Place it in a pan of cold water and bring it to the boil and simmer for about one to two hours. When it's ready, the internal temperature should be about 74 degrees. After that, you serve it with some mashed potatoes and swedes. Right, okay, that's all for me. Have a good day. Okay. Well, See, um, all, all these years I've been including the breathing tube. That's where I've been going wrong. Well, That's why yeah. it's so chewy. Yep. Um, Shit, I, eh? It sounds like he was um, calling in from Scotland. It did sound like it was raining in the background. Um, so yeah, I think, it, he was, I think he was doing it live. Maybe he's got a YouTube channel. Potentially. Um, but, yeah, in, in the uh, that was... Uh, that was good stuff. So no thanks. name, no no nothing. No, just, no, just a just an anonymous voicemail. Um, right. um, yeah. So, um, did you have any other? Um, no, I did have feedback? a poem. Um, um, well, how I, I could accompany the poem if you if you'd like. Uh, it's very need, short. Do you want some? It's very short. It's very short, and then I have another. Uh, then there's another okay. musical idea. Okay. Okay. Is this one of your poems, or is this a, a listener no, that a, has sent this poem in? It was it was anonymous. Uh -huh. Okay, um, 
So don't. Oh, was it? Oh no, this is not the poem. Are you sure this is not Denise Limelicker's poem? It 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 could be. It actually is. It is. It's similar in structure to a lot of Denise Limelicker's poetry. Does it say DL at the bottom of it? Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, I just. I just. Is it just a line? Is it just? In fact. Ah, it's the structure. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I, it was came in an email, and it actually wasn't in the body of the email. This is just this in the signature line. So it was a blank uh, email. Yeah, that's classic. And, and this is the signature line. That yeah, well then down the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I think it, you know, it's become a, a bit of a thing to sort of put your pronouns at the bottom of your on your signature line mm-hmm. on your email. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was just an anonymous. And that um, sounds but, like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a punt here and say that it's it's a Denise Lime liquor. Original, it's, yeah, right. In mm. the vein of her practice, yeah. If not, if not, a, a, a very um, a tribute, so we say. Denise Limelicker, like from the Limelicker clan, that stems way back. From yeah, the, the you Iron. know about the Limelickers. Yeah, kind of came came from uh, from up near Devon. Yeah, 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 and and they used to um, so back in the day when they they made limes, you know, to quality control them, they would the farmers would bring in mm. the lime liquors. Yep, and um, which was you, which was almost like it, it wasn't just a family name; it was almost like a like a cast, right? It was like you, oh you, yeah, you're born well, a lime liquor, and, and well, that's and where you my lime lick. my name uh, Foster comes from, Forrester, which were literally foresters that then they. So your your name was what you did back yep. in those. So the lime lickers were were literally that they were lime lickers. So the farm uh, yeah. the farmers would bring in they'd grow their limes and they'd go, oh, we we've got no idea whether these limes are any good or not. So we better get the lime lickers in, and and they test them. So they would go around and they would individually lick each lime, and they would basically go through a, a rigorous process. They 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 had highly evolved tongues that were super sensitive to the making sure the lime had all the right properties that it needed. Well, there um, was a, I mean, apparently the story behind that is that, you know, early on in the, the emergence of citrus fruits, that there was a sort of like akin to a potato famine, you know, mm, where they, they mm, just lived on limes mm, for a generation. Mm, and um, and their taste buds evolved They evolved as a result. differently. So yeah. they can, that's why the, far, okay, the farmer could lick the lime, but they don't have the same he, kind of they didn't know. acute, you know. Yeah, in fact, there was a lot of farmers that were going, oh, how hard can it be? And they started licking limes themselves. And, and then, and they, alas, selling subpar limes. And, yeah, and, 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 and their sales went plummeted and they ended and that, up killing themselves well, and, and there was, a, there was a, a huge string of suicides of farmers because they couldn't sell their limes. Well, there's the Great Lime Skirmish in Cornwall. Of course. Know, where there, there was a, basically a battlefield broke out of, mm. of uh, just pegging, pegging the limes. Yeah. And, like rock hard limes. So the lime lickers became, you know, sought after, very, very sought after, mm. highly sought after and, and they would come and they would lick the limes and they'd go, yep, 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 nah, nah, that one's no good. And and they would basically compile them and then and then give the farmer go these are your best limes and and the rest then um, and and so then what they would do um, they then would take the disused uh, limes that mm. that wouldn't pass the the the, the buck and then right. they would they would craft out of the skins of those limes jackets and co- or coats winter coats 
Right. Um, not uh, not other items of clothing, boots, or just specifically a, a coat? They, they started with jackets, but right. the second and third generation of lime lickers then started, you know, making boots and, and masks. And, what and was the idea behind that? I mean, just using every part of the fruit? Well, it was just, it was it was just saying, you know, yeah, we, we want to... And, 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 and of, I, I think, I suspect it was a marketing ploy um, that mm. they went they want to be identifiable as the lime lickers. Like a and, gang. You just, yeah. Okay, there's, there's a member of the rebels, you know, so... Oh, like, shit. Lime, here they come, the lime lickers. The yeah. Lime lickers, and, and hey, over um, here I've got some limes needed. Yeah, so they yeah. would come in their in their lime skin trench coats and mm-hmm. go, "We're here to lick your limes." Right. Yeah. Shit. And uh, I mean, the whole culture developed out of this, didn't they? I mean, they had they had songs, they had dances, the, the, the lime dancing. Yep. Um, you know, they'd have these events where they would they would uh, f- f- stamp and squ- feet squash the limes, and yep. then they would yeah, like gra- like how they squash grapes in 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 Italy, and yeah, it was a whole sort of Dionysian type, mm. uh, you know, in its energy type mm. of festival, mm. you know, and uh, and then they would go they would get into a trance from as uh, from what I've heard, um, they would they would get into whip themselves up into a frenzy, into mm. a lime frenzy, and um, you know, and then basically be thrashing around squashing limes and drinking lime cordial and well well and, people that you know. that's the, I mean, and and the real lime cordial i mean and that's where the fracture yes. happened yeah. because you had you know which was kind of like a cultural um um appropriation you know where mm. you had the mm. coddies family who uh-huh. started selling this kind of bogus lime cordial which caused you know the great lime riots um you yes. know, and there was it got yep. nasty. You know, they attacked yep. the Cotty's factory. That when when the lime breaker came out, there and was of, a whole of course, um, yeah, the almost, lime spider, almost, almost terrorist like um, activism, yeah, going yep. on. It got these, very heated. These fake lime wannabes, lime spiders, lime ice blocks, mm. lime cordial. I mean, yep. it, it's it really just flies in the face of the of the true. Um, lineage of of lime and 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 the lime liquor clan yeah just perverted it just uh yeah yeah everything they stood for so so but but yeah it could very well be denise lime looker look there's no mention it might not be either but of 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 a name of limes but i'll just read uh i assume it was intended to be poetic Mm -hmm. um this email signature just simply says he him she her he sunny she sure they them, neither, two plums, beaver. Wow! So, so no, um, no mention of limes, but mention of plums. Yeah. See, I, so that's I a feel like ball. I feel like that's derivative. I feel like you that's know, it's a play. Yeah, I think it's, it's a red herring. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of art is derivative these days, and 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 you know we if you if it's too direct, then you know it's it's too obvious to the listener, so you need to. You need to kind of reference the uh, reference the work without you know diving too deeply into it. Um, Shall we do? A, I feel like like a, like a, we could do a sort of a. I see you got your guitar there. A bit of a creative response and almost like a almost as a as a summonsing of 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 good luck. And uh, you know we have this thing we believe in the gig pig, which we. Um, which is a, a deity, an idol that we have, and in the shock therapy office we have uh, Truffles the pig, uh, which is a a uh, an idol that that sits on the table, and it brings us good luck, and it brings us gigs, um, and we believe 
the gig pigs have a, have a lot of power and so I think we should do a kind of a, just a off-the-cuff, unplanned, uh, creative response that summons the gig pigs and blesses all of our artist friends out there through these trying times. We call this one uh, Gang of Pigs. Go with it. Seven hundred and ten pounds. That's three hundred and twenty kilos. And the 
smallest boar is the pygmy hog. This delicate and powerful swine grows to a length between 1.8 and 2.4 feet. It stands at 9.8 inches tall from hoof to shoulder. Thank <laughs> you.